welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure to have you with us here on this program as we present to you New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We hope that you will join us for any one of those four broadcasts. We're podcasting, too, on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting to. Thank you so much for doing that. I really do appreciate that. We are on YouTube. I said that right. We're on YouTube. I do the video editing. And I haven't had any critics <laughs> comment on that yet, but I'm waiting. But it's okay. I have a whole 19 subscribers, and I'm very proud of that fact. Uh, hey, it's, it's a fledgling endeavor on YouTube. Hope that you'll check it out. Tell me your story, Richard Dugan, either on SoundCloud or the other locations or YouTube. We are also encouraging you, if these programs resonate with you and you'd like to become a part of what we are doing here financially, we would greatly appreciate any support you can give us. That is why I have a PayPal account as well as a Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And then we're asking everybody. I do the best I can to do this myself. Please participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and spend that quality time going within. We hope that you will do just that. Today's program, I think you are going to really enjoy. I know that I am. Already had a great opportunity to uh, converse with our guest who is on the program and on Zoom today. Uh, talking about today, Authenticity Reawakened. Uh, my guest is the author of said book about the path to owning your life story and fulfilling and fulfilling your purpose. And I told her, uh, I told her, Vicky, uh, as neighbor, that uh, I sold my story for a nickel uh, and a bag of beans. Nick, Vicky, welcome to the program. <laughs> oh, thanks so much, Richard. It's great to be with you. I love your show. Well, thank you and very much. I, I yeah, have it helps if. If it helps at all, I was just going to say um, 19 subscribers on YouTube is 19 more than I have. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if it was nine, I would still feel pretty proud. I really would. There you go. Yeah. So uh, for, for, for Vicki Znaver and yours truly, please go to our websites, on go to our YouTube channels, subscribe, help build those numbers up. I'm going to have to go to your web, your, your, your YouTube channel and subscribe. So at least you'll have one. There you go. All right. Uh, you didn't even put yourself down as a subscriber? Of course, I didn't either. I didn't either. Yeah. I'm the one that puts the stuff up there. Why do I need to subscribe? Uh, well, I haven't created the channel yet, but I'm, I'm everywhere on social media. I just haven't gone there yet. Okay. But, uh, I'll, I'll follow your lead. So you're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and yeah. I was on Facebook. Uh, I do have an Instagram account, but I haven't figured out how to use it yet. Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter and I do post uh, on Twitter every time I upload a, an interview to SoundCloud and I will do that with your interview and Authenticity Great. Reawakened. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how when I receive the book in the mail, okay, or PDF, but usually in the mail, they usually throw in from the PR firm a little flyer, okay, and they just sometimes they'll stick it in the front of the book. And sometimes they'll stick it in somewhere in the pages. There are no accidents. Um, we are looking actually at um, acting extraordinary. Now, I think I've got that wrong. I better use my magnifying glass. Uh, 
extroverted, acting yes. extroverted, which for some would be acting extraordinary. <laughs> and that's in the chapter, Authenticity, the Back Story. We'll talk about that. But there are no coincidences. I call them coincidences. And underneath that heading of acting um, extroverted, to succeed in life, you need three things. You need a wishbone, a backbone, and a funny bone. Well, uh, we got the third one knocked down, I believe. Yeah, okay? no problem. <laughs> and a wishbone is part of what this program is about because we try to give people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. Mm-hmm. It's the backbone, I think, that we have the hardest time with, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, I think as we... As we go through life, we get strengthened by many things. Oftentimes, it's the things that knocked us down and we get back up, and that's what strengthens us so much. But, you know, you're going to have you're going to have highs and lows. No human being gets off the planet with lots of pain and hopefully plenty of joy as well. But it's uh, paying attention to, you know, what was the pain in my life? Um, you know, what are the things that I've endured? You know, one of the things I think it's so important about owning your story is that, if you can go back in time, I, I advise the readers to go back in time and think of your pivotal life moments and think of those moments that have made you who you are. And oftentimes we kind of brush those aside or we say, gosh, I don't want to go back there because it's too painful. But if you can go back there and see those events as they were and understand how they created the person that you've become, you can actually honor those experiences and then and see how much they've strengthened you in your lifetime. And then it gives you the resolve to just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're almost word for word uh, something that I said during one of our programs uh, not long ago in just that, yeah, you, you have to you do have to own all of mm-hmm. your story. You cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't pull a particular thread out of our tapestry, the tapestry of our story, if you will, uh, without the whole thing coming unraveled, which, again, you can't do it. And so you are where you are because of everything. everything. The good, the bad and the ugly, as the as the phrase goes. Yeah. But as you just said, it can be scary. What are some of the techniques that you have used with people uh, to mm-hmm help them, facilitate them in kind of overcoming, getting, uh, going, I want to say going through that wall, because that's what it becomes. It's a wall of fear. Yeah. Yeah. And great, great that you've used the word fear, because that actually does get in our way more times than not when we're trying to just be ourselves in this world that seems so much uh, bigger and and, and um, scary than what we would like to think it is sometimes. But so I think if you can what I talk to the reader about is going back and identifying five to seven pivotal life moments. And then there's sort of a walkthrough of how did those, those moments strengthen you or impact you or what gifts did they give you so that you could find some good in something maybe that was really awful. And I'll sort of give you a little bit of a disclaimer in in that there are some, um, things that happen to people in their lives that are just so unimaginably horrible that, you know, the, my, my recommendation is of course, get, get professional help for that, for those things. You still have to kind of go back and find the right place for, 
those recollections in your life as you go forward. So looking back, you don't want to stay stuck in the, in the, in the rear view mirror. My husband always says, you know, if you want to keep looking backwards, that's where you're going to go. If you want to go forward, look ahead, but you do have to sort of say, what, what did that, what place did those certain um, uh, experiences have in my lifetime? So in fact, I, I just want to, you know, Oprah just came out with a new book that's called what happened to me. And I think it's such a, a wonderful tool. She it's with Dr. Perry that she wrote, co-wrote the book, but it's about, I think it does help you sort of even further go into those stories. And certainly Oprah's got many stories that could have knocked her down, kept her stuck for the rest of her life, but it didn't. Those stories actually fueled her to become the person that she became. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I would say my own story is, is, um, you know, something that fueled me as well. I'm the youngest of 12 children, um, very um, sort of challenging childhood. My mom was married three times before. And so I don't go into a lot of uh, stories about my siblings because I believe that that's their story to tell. Mm -hmm. But as it relates to me, you know, I, I saw a lot of chaos in my family. My, my parents both were alcoholics and, um, but they were really the they were lovely people. They just had uh, challenges with alcohol and they weren't really well equipped for all the things that came at them in their lifetime or that they created themselves. They weren't well equipped, but I have deep love and respect for them. And if I wouldn't be who I am without them, but that aside, you know, I, I went back to my stories. My dad was from Mexico, for example, and I lived in a town where he often was, uh, uh, ridiculed for having much, he has much darker skin than I have. And, um, he would hear racist remarks on a daily basis. And my dad would have tools, you know, he would just say something nice back to them. He never really engaged in the negative conversations, but I, it didn't make it less painful for me as a child, as I was holding his hand to see those uh, comments or for my dad, who I could see the resolve and the strength in his, uh, in his determination to not let that change his day, so to speak. Um, so that changed me. And I had to learn over my lifetime that, you know, what was acceptable in my company and what was not acceptable in my company. And I know that those, those comments really uh, changed who I became. I, I became a head of human resources uh, for a bank and I was responsible responsible for thousands of people. And I, I, those experiences changed the kind of executive that I was, and I wouldn't have been a good executive without being empathetic to challenges that people face to understanding addiction and, and the importance of wellness in human resources programs or human programs, I'll call them. So you know, I can go back at the time, those were very painful situations. But you know, they made me who I am. And so that's really what I'm trying to inspire within the reader is to go back and capture those moments and then say, what did I get out of them? How did it influence who I've become? And then what do I do with that going forward? You know, one last point on this is I would say some memories, while you can, you can honor them and say, okay, I get it. That's how I became me. But it's sort of like taking a scrapbook with pictures. To, uh, if you put your pictures of your life story in the scrapbook, that it still holds meaning, but you don't have to take it to work with you every day. You don't have to take it to every single conversation every day. You can put it up on a shelf. 
And when you want to be nostalgic or you want to pull it off the shelf, you can take it off the shelf and you can look and revisit it. So that's how I talk about it in the book. Vicki Znavar is my guest, and we are talking about authenticity reawakened and uh, fascinating. You know, the one of the things that came to my mind uh, from my side, my mother's side of the family, when we would have family reunions or we'd just go down to Florence, Florence, Arizona, to, to visit, the, ma the majority of my uh, uh, family on my mother's side were Hispanic, of, of Hispanic mm -hmm. heritage. And the one thing that has always that always impressed me when we would go visit, because a lot of the times this is just the way they dressed, obviously, and they were they were very much ranchers, cowboys, and so forth, was the fact they would wear blue jeans. And most of the time when we were having these reunions, they would dress up a little. And what I mean by that is they would wear white or light blue long sleeve shirts. And I thought. <sighs> Wow, they look great in those shirts because the dark skin next to the yeah. white shirt. I don't know why that just looks really neat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why that came up, but it did. And I just was really it was really interesting. <laughs> That's another aspect of it, too. And it's sort of a sidebar, if you will, in terms of one story. I mean, we've we've got a lot of issues that we're dealing with as a nation, let alone as a world mm -hmm. when it comes to ethnicity. And, and of course, I've had, I don't know about you, but I've had my uh, DNA checked, uh, and I am human. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't had much therapy, although people have recommended it, but for a whole lot of other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I used to say as a kid growing up, based upon what I had been told about where family members and relatives came from, I was Heinz 57. Mm -hmm. And it turns out I was absolutely right. No, not because of the Heinz family, but because I, according to the initial report from the, um, what was it, AncestryDNA.com or something like that, uh, it said that I was from, and I said Heinz 57, I was from five of the seven continents. Wow. The two that I'm not from are Australia and Antarctica. Ah. I don't know anybody who is actually from Antarctica been there probably <laughs> but i don't know of anybody that's been born there and i'm not saying there haven't been but uh and then of course uh, subsequent uh, uh, um, uh fine tuning has has said that i am of native american heritage and i'm not mm -hmm. talking about north america mm -hmm. i'm talking about north central and south i'm a mm -hmm. percenter to eastern european jew uh, Irish, thank God. I mean, with the name Dugan, I better be. <laughs> and we we tend to latch on to certain ones. And I did not latch on to my Native American heritage, mm -hmm. uh, first of all, because I really didn't know. Although my understanding is Mexico, the Mexicans are made up of Spanish and Indian blood, Native American Indian yes. blood. Yes. That, that was the mixture. And that's yes. where Mexicans came from, so to speak, as far as their heritage. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I have both of those, Spanish and Native American. But I never, even though I was born and raised in Phoenix, and I was surrounded by all these different uh, the, the reservations and so forth, mm -hmm. I always felt it would be an infringement to look into any of that. I thought, no, 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 that's their, mm -hmm. that's, they're very private in that respect. And you've got to show respect. Turns out, oh, I guess I can look into it now. Yeah. <laughs> but but there was something about it that, that was rather intriguing. Mm -hmm. So when we start looking at our story uh, and, and beginning to own it, I know that a lot of people uh, and some people of German descent, 
They have a hard time with that because of German history. But they didn't have anything to do with that. They're just an offspring of that particular branch, you know? Yeah. So you've got all of these different elements going on. Uh, is that one of the hurdles, one of the, another one of those walls that a lot of people have trouble with when they begin the process of owning their story? You know, I would say that um, it's probably going, unless you've had some pivotal moments, it's not so much about your ethnicity, unless there were, um, I would say, things that happened to you as a result of your ethnicity, specifically, mm -hmm. you specifically. So if, for example, you came to America and you couldn't speak English and you were in a classroom, no, no matter what ethnicity you were, that might have been a pivotal moment um, in your lifetime. So it's really trying to get at the sort of granular to you, those experiences right. that happened to you. Um, you know, my dad didn't really have me sort of, I lived in mostly a, a, a white community, Polish American community and uh, lovely people, but um, my dad wanted us to just fit in. So, and I hear that from a lot of, a lot from other people, families of color, et cetera. And so I never really, in, as a child, didn't identify personally so much with my ethnicity um, because my mom is actually from Kentucky. So my mom was from Kentucky and my dad, they were sort of like Lucy and Desi. And um, <laughs> my mom had red hair. My dad, you know, is dark like Desi. But so, so, so those things, my dad, you know, just wanted us to fit in and, and, and go forward and, and do your best and all of that. But, you know, as you get older, you just like what you described, Richard, is that then you start becoming really curious, like, and, and you talked about this in one of your other podcasts, which I really loved. You said, I liked, I looked in the mirror and I said, who is this guy? Mm. And, and so that's, you know, as I think about that question, you know, who am I? It's, that's actually another exercise in my book is I say, if you want to sort of get in touch, you know, think about your, your pivotal life moments, those things that made you who you are. But every so often, and this is where the word reawaken comes up in my title, is you've got to stand in front of the mirror and look that person in the eye and say, who am I? Am I showing up in the world the way I want to? And if you're not, you know, whether it's for your family, your friends, yourself, others, you know, community um, uh, involvement, whatever it might be, whatever's important to you, we'll talk a little bit about values later is if the answer, you have to stand there and feel the answer. So if you say, who am I? You know, I don't know when you've done that in the past, if you've had sort of a, almost an existential experience where you get, you feel back the answer and it can be really uh, life-changing in some regards. So we do this over and over and over again in our lives, you know, who I was when I was a child. And this is why I talk about this at this point, but who I was as a child, when I saw those things with my dad, you know, it evolved and changed. I, I learned and adapted and then figured out what, what's really important to me. And then, you know, at 20, I, I know you're 60. I've heard you talk about that. I'm 60 also. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, 60-year-old us is so different than 20-year-old us. So this reawakening happens over and over and over again. And I heard your conversation with Dawn James, which I thought was, there were so many parallels in what she was sharing and what I'm sharing, um, but it, it happens over and over again. So you kind of learn and grow and you figure out that that answer to who am I changes over time. Yeah. I have an interview coming up with a gentleman who... Uh, we're going to talk about this. He's written a book about um, how 
he his life began uh, through the rape of his mother. Uh. Okay, and he's a product of that, and mm. he talks about that. Now that's part of his story, and one mm. of my first thoughts when I was talking with the PR gal was. Why does he put it that way? It, does that make it different to other people that he was the product of rape? Uh, you know, well, and then the same thing can be said when we start to mention our our differences. I mean, he, you know, on your Web page, for example, uh, it talks about how um, uh, you have you've won a number of awards and you've been also recognized uh uh, as uh, one of the leading Latina, uh, mm-hmm. most powerful Latinas of 2019. Well, when Barack Obama was elected in 2008, they kept talking about, oh, he's our first black president, first black president. And somebody made the fascinating and I think quite accurate comment. We haven't come very far, have we? The day that we can say so-and-so is our president, period, yes. is the day we've made it. But as long as we keep saying Barack Obama's our first black president, if Kamala Harris, let's say she runs in 2024 as president mm-hmm. and wins or mm-hmm. God forbid anything happens to Joe, um, first woman president. When I guess mm-hmm. that's going to happen. It has to happen eventually. Uh, you know, but it's like, come on, let's let's move beyond these differences. It's like and I've you probably heard this before, too. Emotions. We all experience the exact same emotions, but it's our stories that make us unique. And so it's wonderful to tell these stories. I mean, I'm always telling stories about myself, telling on myself as it goes. Um, But at the same time, it's like, okay, and I've been through this emotion and that emotion and the other emotion, Uh, but I'm just like you, you know? And when you cut me, do I not bleed red blood? Yeah, I forget where that's Mm -hmm. from. I think it's from Shakespeare, but... (laughs) uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, it, it seems as though there are times when we will use our stories almost as a weapon, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm big on talking about intention. Mm-hmm. So when I go into, you know, as the head of human resources, sometimes you're going to have really difficult conversations with people. And when I would do that before I would start a conversation, I would have a little quiet time. I'm not really someone who meditates, although I really want to be. Um, but I will, I would, sit and think about what's my intention with this person? What do I want them walking away, feeling, thinking, knowing those kinds of things. And that has been a powerful tool in my, in my personal toolkit is to think about that. And sometimes, you know, certainly in the last year, two years or so, we've seen some really dramatic conversations with people that we thought we knew, for example, and saying certain things. And uh, on social media, sometimes we, we sort of say things that we would never say if somebody was standing in front of us. And um, I, I, I thought about, you know, that in the last few months or so. And I thought, you know what, I, I used to engage in some of those conversations too, because I, I told you the story about my dad. And so some things would really fire me up. And then mm-hmm. I thought about, you know, when I stood back from that, almost as an observer on the conversation said, what do I want to, how do I want to show up? What's my intention? Is my intention to change their mind? Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with certain people and that's okay. That's their belief. And, 
or is my intention to be the right and make them wrong or vice versa? Um, then I decided I don't want to engage in conversations like that. But if we could both say, you know what, Richard, I want to engage in this conversation because I'm a truth seeker and truth is another word. What is truth? You know, but um, if I said, let's, let's just sit down and talk about it. You have this perspective. I have this perspective. And most of the time, my, my heart would say, that's really interesting until somebody calls me a name or something like that, then I know, okay, our values are completely different because I don't think we need to be name calling. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I, and you know, another book um, that has just come out by Adam Grant called think again is all about how we engage in conversation with people. What is our intention? Are we trying to just win? Are we trying, do we only see black and white? And I'm not talking about people's skin, although uh, skin color, although that could certainly be part of it, Mm -hmm. but you know, the world is pretty gray and, and that, you know, the more I've said, oh gosh, most things lie in the middle. Human beings aren't all this or all that. We're Mm -hmm. a lot of things, a tapestry. So, you know, it's, it's intriguing, but thinking about intention is so important. Oh, absolutely. Intention, and this program's intention, of course, is to uh, look for new paradigms for a new world, giving people choices Mm -hmm. and knowledge of those choices. Tell Me Your Story is the program. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. We're here with Vicki Znaver, Z-N-A-V-O-R, Vicki, V-I-C-K-I, and VickiSnaver.com is the website you want to go to to find out more about Authenticity Reawakened. I want to ask you about the title, Authenticity. Uh, we can mm-hmm. talk about that. What do you mean reawakened? Was it at one time we were already, and, and this is, I guess, the, 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 the catchphrase or word, the, the buzzword yeah. today. Mm-hmm. W- were we at one time we were already awakened? <laughs> yes, I, I would say, I would say yes. That is true. And I wasn't really trying to be buzzwordy about oh, it. I know. And I'll tell you that. And I know, no, no. And I, I um, stand on the couch. I will tell you, not, my husband got tired of listening to me. But when you think about a title for a book, it's a really challenging um, endeavor. But I would say this is that it really does go back to, you know, who I was when I was, say, 12 years old. And I have vivid memories. In fact, some of most of my friends I've had since I was 12 years old, I have vivid memories about Uh, being 12 and what I thought was important and who I thought that I was and how I wanted to show up in the world in my own 12 year old way. So, you know, not super sophisticated, but over the years, you know, so, you know, when you get your first job, for example, it's likely that your manager is going to tell you what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior. You know, if you're uh, lucky to continue to move up in an organization, you're, you know, the organizations I worked at, and, and I think this is changing and it's a good thing, but you had to dress a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You talked a certain way and you're rewarded for doing that. So you start be sort of molding and conforming. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I worked at a great company for most of my career, my 40 year, 42 year career, mm-hmm. or to the, a great company for 26 years uh, of that 42. But there is still this, you kind of lose yourself and you forget, you kind of forget who you actually are um, over time. And if you're not doing that, looking yourself in the mirror, asking, who am I checking in with your values? I'm a firm believer and my book walks you through how to identify your values, firm believer in that values drive our behavior. And so you've got to constantly check in, adjust, 
you know, sort of do that deep dive with yourself and say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm no longer showing up in a way that is me. I mean, how many executives or middle managers even, they go to bed at night and they're thinking about all the stuff that they have to do the next day. And they might really care about people, but those people are on a list of 40 other things to do. And so those things all take precedence. And then before you know it, they've had a crappy conversation with somebody that wasn't their intention. And then you multiply that by many, many conversations. And before you know it, they've sort of just become on auto, autopilot and you lose yourself. So you have to keep reawakening who you are in order so that you get to, to be 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, 100 if you're blessed, to look back and say, did I live the life? that I really wanted to live? Did I show up in the world in a way that really does represent my values and what I truly believe? And did I reach, did I live my purpose? Um, so I think it's those things. I sort of think sometimes if you have the benefit of looking back on your life before you get to the end of your life mm. and saying, how do I want to show up along the way? This reawakening happens over and over. Yeah. You know, in terms of uh, identifying one's core values that uh, uh, will then guide us to our future uh, decision making, Mm -hmm. one of the things I heard not long ago, and I've been sharing this on a regular basis because it was so intriguing to me the way this guest put it, we were talking about choices and how Mm -hmm. the saying goes that you are where you are today because of all of the choices you've made in the past. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the saying goes on or the phrase goes on and uh, y- the choices that you make today will determine where you will be tomorrow. But my guest at that time said that the reality is your perception of the future determines the choices that you will make today. And so mm-hmm. if you are a pessimist and I'm, I'm going to use this example, uh, no matter, and again, I don't intend to offend people, but our perception of the future as a government is that there are other people and other societies that want to destroy us. And so we're going to build a military that's going to defend us from the chaos. And it's like, and so we spend trillions of dollars on bombs and bullets and tanks and all this stuff, and we'll get into conflicts and we'll lose great potential, i.e. human beings, mm-hmm. in this process. However, if we, and, and this was kind of the way it was put to me shortly before I left the Christian radio station in 1995, someone said to me, if you are looking for the devil, you will find him. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for God or you're looking for beauty, you will find him slash it. Yeah. And so it's it is your intention in the moment. But I think, too, isn't it your perception of what you hope you hope the future will be? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hope isn't a strategy. So, (laughs) true. (laughs) you know, (laughs) it is not. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's the you know, if we. You know, I think there's a saying by Roosevelt that says, believe you can and you're halfway there. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that quote because, you know, it, it's just really so true that if you and it's sort of if you think about people's experiences that can become like a like a lens in a in a pair of glasses. You know, if you want to see the world, if you want to see terrible things, 
walk out your front door and they're going to be right there for you. And if you want to see beautiful things, walk out your front door and it's going to be right there for you too. So, you know, and there are a lot of things I I just want to say, I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish because there are really tough situations that people face that are totally beyond their control. Yeah. And those, those aren't the things that we're really talking about. I think what we're talking about here is the things that you can control, like your attitude, how you show up in the world. Yeah, there you go. Those are things you can control, you know, starting every single day. I have, you know, people that I know that start the day, like, Oh, I've got to go to work today and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I had a friend years ago, uh, her name is Kristen and she had breast cancer And she really worked hard to overcome it. And unfortunately, she lost her battle. And I remember encountering her probably about a year before she passed away on the street. Um, By then, I think she had gone on leave or something. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, you know what? I'd give any, anything for another crappy day at work. And I've told that story over and over again, because if you can just change your mindset, wake up and know, gosh, if I've got a roof over my head, I know where the next meal is coming from. And in my childhood, we didn't always know that we didn't always have a roof over our head either. Um, If I've got those things, I've got some people that I know love me no matter what. Um, If you have those things, tell yourself if you can think of nothing else to be grateful for. I'm one of the luckiest human beings on the planet, on the planet. And if you can start your day with that, and then the other thing I would say is if you can't, if you're feeling really down about whatever's going on in your life, ask yourself, what can I do for somebody else that will change their day? And oftentimes it's just saying, Hey, Richard, how are you doing today? Mm. And then standing there and really listening to the answer. So those are just a few quick tips, but you know, it's, it's really, you have a lot more control than you'd like to think perhaps. Take that law of diminishing returns. (laughs) I I had a boss who lived by that philosophy, uh, the law of diminishing returns. Don't put out any more than you expect to get back. And Mm -hmm. I, I just, I couldn't. Because it interfered with and was contrary to, and this is going to take us into this next step here, the values that I had as a person who was being of service. Now, that phrase was hammered home more so in my present position going on 15 years here Mm -hmm. in Santa Barbara, California, where that is our slogan. We are here to be of service to whoever comes through that front door uh, if they want to do a program, they want to do a commercial, whatever it is. And and even if somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, I have this I have this project that I'm working on and I really would like some help on it. Sure. Do I get anything in exchange for it? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. As far as, oh, well, thank you for the cash. I can put in my wallet or check or whatever. Maybe I don't. Maybe it's just the experience, the connection with that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the just being of service. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when we start talking about our values, there was something I learned at a personal growth program about <clears throat> it's kind of uh, that that you have this um, M&M. This was the example that was used. The outside is a hard candy shell. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you've got the, 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 the shell itself, the thickness. And we're talking about a peanut uh, M&M. So you have the chocolate underneath that, 
and then the peanut inside. And each one of those three elements represents your values, your beliefs, uh, your values, your beliefs. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it's three elements in terms of being in congruity with yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, that your beliefs and your values and I, I, something tells me morals is kind of the same thing as values. It, it might be a little different. Um, that if, if those are out of alignment, <laughs> the candy-coated shell melts. Um, <laughs> okay? But you get my, you get my point. Yeah. That we have, to, we have to evolve in a fashion uh, because we're still alive. As you just said, we're, you know, luckiest people on the planet— and we're still experiencing things. And what we believe changes that could very well change our values mm-hmm. that could change. Maybe maybe the internal is our truth. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. But talk to us a little bit about the, the values in the context of authenticity reawakened. Sure. So I and I love that whole analogy. That was really good, Richard. Um, and I'll have to I'll have to check that out uh, online. But so as I walk the reader through the book, the first thing I say is when you know your you know know your story, that's great. Then there there is an exercise to help you understand how your values sort of derived from your story. So a quick a quick story would be one of my pivotal life moments when I was in first grade. I told you about I had a chaotic family and I didn't really. There's not a whole lot of homework in first grade, but I remember as 1966-ish or 67, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember I had a teacher, Miss Seda. I really loved her. She changed my life in so many ways. But um, I did. I never did my homework, so it was sort of okay. Yep, here she is again, not having done her homework. But one day I decided that I would do my homework. Now I was an intelligent kid. But I just never had a reason to think that it was worth doing my homework. But I did my homework. And the entire class, you talk about rewards, the entire class clapped because <laughs> I, because it was so unusual. And from that moment, I always did my homework, always did my homework. I'm always prepared, all those things that really changed me. And again, I was influenced by the positive response that I got. And then, you know, you keep doing your homework, you get good grades, you get on the honor roll, you get a national honor society, you get all kinds of things uh, at a, at an early age when you're a good student. So one of the, if I take that all the way to values, then I would say that my values, when I looked at my own list that came up from the exercises that I walked in, I, and for the readers, I hope I made these as simple as I possibly can, but we're talking about com- uh, complex life issues here in this book. But my, my values from just that story would be preparation and learning and honesty. And I'll tell you where honesty comes in from that. But in terms of preparation, I always believe if you're prepared, it's half the battle or more than half the battle. It's most of the battle. Uh, learning. Uh, I am a lifelong learner. I know you are too, Richard. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So, you know, life is always changing. There's if anybody who says that they're bored, go to the library. It's my favorite place in the world, but there's so many things that we can learn. And then honesty comes in um, as I've evolved over my lifetime, you know, as an executive, if somebody came into my office without uh, having prepared, 
I would be visibly irritated. I know that about myself. I'll be irritated if you come in and, and you're not prepared. I, I would much rather someone say, you know what, I, was, I wasn't able to, to get my work done or my, I'm not prepared for the conversation. Can we reschedule? And I would say, of course, of course. But if you show up and you try to fake your way through that, I'm probably going to show a little bit of irritation. So I, so, so preparation, learning, and honesty, those are values that came from just that one story. Well, you and I, we, we do part company uh, in terms of uh, uh, doing homework. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it got really bad. <clears throat> well, it got really bad uh, when I was in high school. I think it was freshman or sophomore year. I was taking an algebra class. My instructor mm -hmm. was a Mrs. Summers, very nice woman. And um, I was working ahead in the book because I loved algebra. It was so much fun working with the variables and and also trying to figure out the values and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was working ahead in the book. I mean, I was two or three chapters ahead. That's how much I loved it, right? Wow. So she says, you know what? As long as you bring your homework in, you don't have to come to class. Ah. Big mistake, Mrs. <laughs> <Right>. Summers. Big mistake. <laughs> I stopped doing the homework. <laughs> uh, but when I was in eighth grade, I wanted to go to Disneyland with the with the honor National Honor Society class. So I worked really hard, and I got in in my second in the second semester the, the, mm -hmm. the of of my eighth grade year. And the I don't know. It was as if oh, we don't want him to go with us. And now we have to let him because he got the grades, damn it, <laughs> which was just so strange. Matter of fact, I will tell you that uh, there were two girls, um, um, uh, Leslie Williams and Chris Christofferson, not the singer. Uh, <laughs> when we were at Huntington Beach uh, for the first time seeing the ocean myself, and I got a, a riptide whipped my feet out from under Ooh. me, and I was headed mm. out to sea. Guess who pulled me out of the water? Those two girls. Who hated wow. me with a passion? Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> well, we should have let well, him they, go. We should have yeah, let him go. Their, val their values, even at that young age, Leslie and Chris, you you were you valued uh, saving another human life. So good for you. <laughs> we are talking about authenticity reawakened. Vicky Znaver is my guest. It's the path to owning. It's all in caps, by the way, the word owning your life story and fulfilling your purpose. And in chapter 10, she has 100 ways to uh, authenticity. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, here's one I think is absolutely critical. Okay. Uh, I think that it ought to be number one, but it isn't. It's number 20 that so many people have so much trouble with asking for help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is their problem? Well, we don't like to appear vulnerable. And sometimes when you're going to ask somebody for help, the first thought that you have is if I ask Richard for help, what's he going to want from me? And, <laughs> and so I think, I think that it's just important to allow yourself a check to write a check. So, <laughs> so it's so, it, it's also really important to laugh every day also everybody, oh, yeah. but uh <laughs> But yes, yeah, so that's the reason why, you know, I, as a young mother, for example, 
I, I was, I was going to school at night. So my story, I also went to school for 15 years while I was raising my kids and working full time. I have three children and I was determined not to ever let anybody say that my kids weren't perfect. And we all know as we've gotten older, how ridiculous that is. <laughs> um, but, but I used to iron my baby clothes, our baby's clothes, because I wanted them to be pristine and perfect. And, uh, you know, this is where you learn like, no, but none of the adults in my life ever said to me, and I had lots of support from my mother, my husband's mother, my husband for sure. But no one ever said, Hey, how are you doing? You look really tired or are you okay? And I certainly do that now with young moms. Again, this kind of goes back to once you go through a certain experience, you're more sensitive to other people who you see are going through the same thing. You know, are you okay? How can I help you? I think, and then also as just ourselves, as we're going through whatever it is we're going through, and we all go through tough times, know that people are honored that you would ask them for help. And human beings, there's beautiful um, stories in, in all of us. We want to help. So let somebody else help you. Yeah. Vicki's Neighbors, my guest. We're talking about Authenticity Rewarded. Another one we'll talk about here in just a moment. Um, I'll bring it up in just a second, but you made me think of something with my parents. Now, you had three. My mother had double that. My mother and father doubled mm. that with six. And uh, I'm sure that, and they did, we had, I still remember uh, our re one of our regular babysitters, her name was Lulu. I don't remember her last name. She's the nicest woman I, I can recall. I don't even know if she lived in the neighborhood, but I do know that she, she was someone that my parents called pretty regularly as we were growing up when I was still um, third, maybe fourth in line <laughs> before my two <laughs> younger sisters came along, five and six. Sure. But uh, it's it's really interesting to look back and uh, see what my parents went through. And it's really interesting. Uh, my parents, when I had them on this program, which has not been released yet, I am uh, there's an embargo placed on it by my mother. But that's OK. <laughs> Relatives have heard it. So and that's been OK. Uh but the question has often been asked, oh, Richard, wow, boy, they must have really sacrificed well, I asked that very question. Mom, Dad, did you guys sacrifice? They said, no, because we wanted a big family. Did you, Vicki, have or have you in your parenting, in your family, have you sacrificed in that context? No, I mean, I would I would say I worked my butt off, but it was worth it. And I and I did it with great love. So it didn't feel like a sacrifice. And I suspect your parents felt the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, moving on to one of the others that I think uh, this to me is another one of those criticals could be number two. Uh, but in reality, it's number 48. Don't <laughs> don't gossip. And I have to tell you, some people might say, well, yeah, OK, we don't want to gossip about the people in the workplace or family members. No, 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 no. We're talking. I would think you're talking literally no gossiping. I don't care if it's about the man in the White House, uh, the man in the Vatican, uh, or, or even the man in the mirror. Self-deprecation yeah. is probably bigger than, um, I don't know if the phrase is other deprecation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we tend to just 
put our, and I know this is sort of a side thing of gossiping, is we just mm-hmm. constantly, some of us, I had one guy that I used to work with who would, would go in and record his news. And I was in, in, uh, in the control room and he was in the production room two doors down. And when he would make a mistake, the screaming and the yelling at the equipment or at himself and the profanity. <laughs> and, and then even on the air, when he was producing shows, when he was on the air, uh, he, he would put himself down. And I thought, uh, come on, guy, you're you're better than that. You got your unbelievable voice and you're talented behind the console and so on and so on and so on. Uh-huh. And I have to watch myself, too. I mean, I have never been at that level, but um, we get into that habit, don't we? Sure. So I'm going to t- address it in two two different aspects. Okay. The first in terms of gossiping. So um, I don't do it. And I think a lot about being authentic in this life in, involves, you know, if you've got an issue with someone, say it to their face. Uh, don't talk about them behind their backs. Mm-hmm. I think it's a cowardly act. And yes. I've never really um, in, enjoyed being around people that do that. And when someone gossips to me about someone else, Red flags go up and I automatically in my head decide, you know what, this isn't a person that I think is going to um, be somebody that I want to continue a relationship with unless I have to, if it's my boss or something like that. And I have had a situation like that where an HR person gossiped about colleagues and that is a huge, big red flag for an HR person uh, and also just for anybody in my own life. So I don't enjoy that and I, I don't do it myself. Um, And then as it relates to putting yourself down. So putting yourself down and for that gentleman that worked by you, I would say is sort of a, it's an interesting way to hear your, your messages to yourself. So when you're feeling that way, I know sometimes when I've been depleted and I've had that in my lifetime and in my career where I felt just drained, I would say things to myself like, get it together. Or, you know what, you are just, you know, a disaster right now. Or whatever those things that we say to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm always on a diet. So there's lots of things that those things, some <laughs> things that come into my head about that too. But when you're having the, when you hear that, sort of step outside of yourself and say, okay, I am off balance. You know, uh, if, you, if you don't love yourself and you're not loving of yourself in you know, a certain part of your day. And we all have crappy days sometimes. So it's, that's not what we're talking about no. here. It's sort of when it's, when it's an ongoing dialogue with yourself, that's really putting you or putting yourself down, say to yourself, okay, what do I need to get back on track? You know, if there's one thing that I can do to change how I'm feeling about myself, what is that one thing I can do? And then just start doing whatever it is. And if it's just start your day when you're thinking about that gratitude that I talked about before, think about, so with my weight, for example, I will say to myself, my body has served me so well. I have given birth to three, three children without anesthesia, by the way. And, um, and I am a healthy 60 year old. I may not look like Cindy Crawford, but I, I feel great. And I, you know, it served me well and it sort of changes how I feel and my, and my health is a blessing. So you have to sort of think about how can I reframe this? And that gentleman probably was feeling like he was trying to live up to an impossible standard of quote perfection. And I know you've talked about that before too, Richard, in your podcast, perfection doesn't exist. So 
ease up on yourself and find some love and kindness for yourself. It starts with you. Yeah. Now, there is uh, the two things I want to I want to dovetail off of the perfection aspect. But first, mm-hmm. I want to talk about going the opposite direction when it comes to <clears throat> this uh, uh, gossip and or self-deprecating. And unfortunately, I say unfortunately, but maybe even fortunately, we have a prime example uh, from the last four years of someone who cut people down to their face and in public to everybody else in the world. Mm-hmm. And I have asked over and over again, business people in particular, if you had an employee who behaved like that, how long would they be employed? They say, oh, I'd fire him right away. We wouldn't mm-hmm. tolerate it. I says, why is he over there? Why is he mm-hmm. in that house? I don't understand. You wouldn't hire them and keep them employed. And yet you chose, because I didn't, you chose to have him there. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled at, at, at the, the um, I want to say, at the contradiction. But we, we also have that other aspect of it where it's in terms of self-deprecation, there's self-adulation. Uh, um, mm-hmm. We can call it narcissism. Uh, where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, we, we have a grandiose. Now, first of all, <clears throat> I love doing these programs. I love doing the podcasts and the video casts. I have a lot of fun doing it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so far, I haven't run out of questions. I'm good at what I do. Okay. That's as far as I'm going to take it at this moment. I'm mm-hmm. good at what I do, whether it's production, whether it's doing the interviews, whether it's video, video editing, which I'm still less than a year into and so forth. But there's always going to be someone out there who's better at, at whatever it is that I'm talking about that I do <laughs> than I do. And that's OK, because there's always going to be somebody mm-hmm. who's not as good, who needs my help. And I hope they will ask for help. Mm-hmm. But that's the other side of those two aspects of the, the conversation we're having about gossiping and self-deprecation mm-hmm. is then going way over to the other side of that line. Yeah. And, you know, in my book, I believe if I recall correctly, it's been I I finished writing the book in November of 2020. But, uh, you know, if you if you're sitting in a room and I'll I'll put this in a work context, but I think it applies in any context and somebody walks in and they behave in some of the ways that we've seen, you know, President, uh, former President Trump um, behave. Mm My first thought when I see someone like that is to say, oh, my gosh, they really lack confidence. Um, because they have to put on an entirely different mask so that you don't weed through that. And the more dramatic that mask is and that behavior is, the more, um, you know, the, the more they lack true confidence, which is something that nobody can really give you. You have to have it yourself. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing I would say is just sort of say to yourself, Oh, okay. This person doesn't have confidence. And for me, when I was uh, just coming up in the workplace, I, I knew that instinctively. And so I just kind of, in my own way, I like to laugh a lot. I would giggle in my head like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, go ahead. You be you. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's the, you, you Uh, I guess for me, as relates to sort of just thinking things through the one thing I would hope that all of us would do is it goes back to what, 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 what do we really stand for? Mm -hmm. And, and if you can look at somebody who can degrade people and say some horrible, horrible things and consistently not speak up, 
Yeah. It's you are actually supporting that behavior and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And again, I'm not attacking anybody here. I'm just trying to, this person put them out in the public eye. So I'm able to use them as an example. And by the way, I went through four phases where I, I, I had, I got drawn in, in September, 2016. And it took me six months, as I say, to get unsucked. I got sucked in and I got unsucked. Mm -hmm. And the first phase was thank you teacher for teaching me how not to behave. Second phase was, uh, uh, I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to be get, to be drawn into the quagmire. Third phase was, and this goes to your point, what is it that you are so afraid of that makes you behave and speak this way. I'm not asking you to change. I Uh need to understand so that I can then let this go and move on with my life. And then one of my guests shared with me the ultimate, the fourth phase. Three simple words. You got to mean them. And it's tough sometimes because I had bullies in school. And of late, uh-huh. I have found out that some of the bullies have passed away. We were all the same age. Some of them passed uh-huh. away at 55, 56. I don't know of what. Uh, and yet I was still saddened by that. Not so much because I didn't get my revenge. Never wanted it. Um, and that is these three simple words. I love you. Yeah. You're a human being. You have every right to mm-hmm. be here just like everybody else, whether it's a bullies uh-huh. or the harassers or whatever. And the narcissist doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I may not like the behavior, but you still have a right to be here. You have a role to play just like the rest of us. And you're playing your role really well because you're really teaching me and I hope a lot of other people. This is not the way I want to be. <clears throat> and it makes me yeah. think of how unhappy people are. Yes. Talk to me about this aspect, especially of uh, finding one's uh, uh, fulfillment in our purpose and happiness. Mm. You know, I, I think happiness is, it's so personal. And, you know, I think a lot of times people seek happiness and it's such a shallow endeavor, frankly, um, that, you know, I, I almost tend to say, you know, I wonder if it's not better to fe- feel fulfilled or satisfied that you have given life your best shot um, so, you know, when I think about purpose, I think about it in terms of answering three questions. The first is I want, what do I want in this life and being really clear about it. So I say that, that my want statement is I want to be healthy and happy and able to work with people that I love and respect and to be present for those that I love. So that's a, that's a, I, what I want. It, it guides my actions as I go forward in this lifetime. So, you know, next, the next statement is when I at my best. So when you think about, you talked about bragging before that you really don't do that and, and that's good. But when I'm at my best, what, what do I know about myself at the core is I can love, inspire, help and enable other people to do their best work and to bring their purpose to life in some degree for me personally, that has always been a part of any job that I've ever taken, even though at a young age, I had no idea that that was my thing. Mm-hmm. But I always thought I love what I love is I love it when I can look at somebody's face and they're doing what they love doing. And it may not be something that gives them financial reward and they may have to do three other things in order to do the one thing that they love. 
But when they're doing the thing that they love, their face shows it. And there's nothing that can buy that look. You have to earn your way through it. And then finally, like, what do you believe? What do I believe? I believe that when people live their purpose authentically, they're able to pay it forward to others and the world will be a better place. If all of us did that, you know, you're doing it with the work that you're doing. You know, a lot of people are doing it with the work that they're doing. And there's millions and millions of us on this planet. If we each do a little bit of that, um, I do believe the world will be a better place. Absolutely. And I'm going to go into my podcasts and video casts and <clears throat> I'm going to flip a switch and they're all going to play in reverse. And then try to figure it out. <laughs> just having a little fun. Just having a little fun. It's I'm awesome. not serious. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> We are talking with Vicki Znaver, and we're talking about Authenticity Reawakened. Uh, that is right. It has been sleeping in some, in some aspects. I think we kind of had it when we were kids. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it gets, I, oh, guess, yes. I guess the word that people have used is it's been programmed out yeah. uh, by all of the other messages that are coming in. And what I find fascinating is that we start to remember this stuff as we get older, uh, and but it's already too late for the kids that we had because we've already programmed them with the garbage that <laughs> we're now figuring out. Oh, I shouldn't have told them that. Dog. Darn it. What the heck was I thinking? Uh, mm -hmm. And but hey, uh, that's really the first step is becoming aware of the issues that we have to deal with mm -hmm. and then dealing with them. And take them mm -hmm. one at a time. And I guess, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I've been through a number of personal growth and development programs. I went through a program called uh, LifeSpring, which was mm -hmm. an outgrowth of EST in the 70s uh, and early 80s. And um, uh, then I went through a couple of others in the 90s with my first wife uh, called uh, Delta o Vector and Omega Vector out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. A gentleman mm -hmm. by the name of George Adair founded those based upon uh, Teilhard's work and the Zero Point among other things. And uh, one of the things that uh, we can uh, chat about here real quickly before we wrap things up is uh, there's a poem that I, I, um, uh, I like to quote, uh, and it basically was, um, has to do with the gods and, uh, you know, and finding about, uh, and, and the truth about man. And the gods are really concerned that man is going to find out about the truth about himself. Mm. So they've got to figure out where to hide it. And so they're starting to throw up ideas. Uh, let's, let's hide it uh, at the top of a mountain. Now he'll figure out how to climb it. Okay, let's see uh, uh, what will be called the Mariana Trench. We'll drop it in the depths of the sea. Nah, he'll figure out how to get down there. How about we put it on the moon? Nah, he'll find a way to get there. Uh, we'll put it here. We'll put it there. We'll put it wherever, you know. And uh, again, nah, he'll figure out a way. And finally, one comes up and says, ah, I know where we'll put it. We'll hide it in his heart. He'll never look there. Yes. <laughs> what about the aspect of knowing, knowing thyself and go? And again, this ties in with our decade of the of perfect vision, the 2020s uh, and going within and listening to that still small voice and getting in touch with all of those aspects, the good and the not so good, mm -hmm. uh, in order to be, I guess, wouldn't you say then a more well-rounded individual at the very least for self? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's your path to, to being whole. 
and uh, you know, to, to go into your heart, to really think about who you are, to own your story, um, to work on the things that you know really aren't congruent with who you want to be. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that things are going to, again, I'll use that perfect word again, things may not be perfect for you, but, uh, and they're not perfect for anyone because of, we're not the only people in our lives, but, you know, when you have that story, when you're able to really dive into, it takes a lot of guts, first of all, to do that. It's, it's not a, it's a, it's an act of courage, but when you do that, Uh, And you can look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and on a regular basis and say, you know what, I showed up in this life as myself. I did my very best. Um, I lived my priorities, those kinds of things. I think it just gives you peace and peace is highly underrated. Uh, And I think that it, but yet it's the most important part of living as a, as a human being. And you're able then also to help other people. And really that word help comes up again and again in that, you know, we are here to serve others, uh, all of us in some regard. And so when you can, when you're a whole person, you're able to do that work uh, in your life much more effectively. Yeah. Well, there is no question that we do face uh, all kinds of challenges in our yes. lives. Yes. Uh, that is a, that's actually a given that yes. we do. I mean, that's just the nature of this world. It is how we respond or act mm-hmm. and learn how not to react because that's based upon old, old beliefs and old programming, isn't it? Yeah, and, and old habits. And old habits. Yeah. Well, Vicki Znaver, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the program, sharing with us about authenticity reawakened. I'm curious about one other thing, though. Why do you care? (laughs) I I, I say that flippantly (laughs) because I don't want it to come across uh, too serious because Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, okay, you found, quote unquote, the secret. Go and live your life. Mm-hmm. Leave everybody. Leave the rest of us alone. We'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> I mean, won't we? I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but why? Why? Why is this important for you? Well, because I, you know, having been the head of human resources for so many years and seeing so many people struggle uh, unnecessarily with um, some of these issues um, made me really want to care. And also I'll go back to that statement that I talked about in terms of what I believe. So I believe that when we're able to do this, that the world can be a better place. And I want to do my small, tiny part to make the world a better place if I can do so. So I, I put the book out there. I wrote it with all my heart. Uh, and I hope that if it can reach a few people even and change how they're putting showing up in the world, then uh, my work is done. Well, I personally believe that after every raindrop falls, a rainbow will come. But that's another story and another song for another time. Yep. Was there a catalytic moment? I mean, a defining point when you said, even though you didn't have it, may not have had a title, I've got to I've got to put this down for others. Yes. So I left my job and and my career essentially uh, in March of 2020. COVID was just hitting, and I said to myself, I want to write a book. I've always books have always saved me. I've always been a, a great lover of books. I want to be part of the legacy of authors, and uh, and so, but I had no idea what to write about. Um, my publisher suggested that I talk to people and ask them what they thought the hallmark of my leadership was so that I could pass on something to other people. 
um, time and time again, I got authentic. You, you show up as a real person and as an executive that really helped us because we felt like we could be more ourselves when you were at work, um, that type of thing. Uh, and then I not only just counted on my own stories, I did tons of research for the book um, and actually read hundreds of articles and books and things and share a lot of the research with the readers in the book as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, again, wanting to put something out there that I could speak from my heart about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that there's another book in my soul. I have no idea what it, what it's going to be, but, uh, sometimes you put things out to the universe and, and, you know, God, you put, you talk to God. And I have said in my prayers more times than not use me how you deem appropriate. And I believe that he deemed this appropriate for me at this stage in my life. Yeah. I don't know where this is coming from, but I think the book is going to be about the mythical jackalope. Oh, well, you know what? I'll have to do a lot of research because I know nothing about any of that. <laughs> it is but a cross. Like research. He's cross. Yeah, he's he's a cross between a, a jackrabbit and an antelope. But that's another okay. story for another program. Let me uh, <laughs> let me thank you again for joining us thank on you. the program. Having so much fun here talking about authenticity reawakened, the path to owning your life story and fulfilling your purpose. And your life story does not have to become a full length feature film or a miniseries for that matter. I've even jokingly said that, uh, you know, if my uh, life were a, a um, what do they call it, um, a, uh, uh, oh my gosh, like Survivor, but there's a name for these, these programs. Oh, a docu-series. No, it's actually not no. even that. If, but if people were watching my, me, my life unfold, like oh, they do really? the Kardashians and so forth. Reality show. Thank you. Reality <laughs> show. Why couldn't I think? Um, I wouldn't watch it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my life is pretty darn exciting to me, but I got I got more important things to do than sit and watch somebody live in their life right. and right. going through their drama. So, uh, folks, get into your life. Get into your own movie, if you will. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about with another one of my guests about music is uh, maybe even come up with your own theme song. You can mm -hmm. have you follow you around the rest of your life. And have it on your phone, playing it as you're going through. I always thought when I was a kid growing up watching uh, the musicals that my folks would watch on TV on Sunday afternoons, that that ought to be the way the world would be. Where you'd go through life with every so often we'd break into song, you know, and dance in the streets, you know. Uh, I just thought that would be so cool. And of course, you know, it doesn't happen, uh, but rarely, very rarely. But we thank you for being with us and uh, sharing this uh, unique perspective on being authentic. Authenticity Reawakened is the book, the uh, guest, my guest, and the website as well is Vicky Znavor. Uh, <clears throat> VickySnaver.com, Vicky Snaver, V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com, VickySnaver.com, and we thank you again for joining us on the program. Um, I do have three final questions for you, and obviously, <laughs> if you've listened to my podcast, you know what's coming, so you can sit there and stew while I let our listeners know <laughs> that... We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We're also on my, uh, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. now, 9 a.m. with a, a very special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We are also on podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and others that you are reposting us to. 
the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story, where you can watch these interviews and you can see us chatting away and having a good time. And um, we hope that you will do that as well as participate in supporting the work that we are doing uh, by uh, sending a contribution through PayPal. We really would appreciate that if you can do that. We'll take energetic support, too. We're not picky in that respect, <laughs> but certainly it doesn't pay for the uh, the services that we utilize. But you know what? We're going to keep doing this just as long as we can. Uh, and we thank those of you who have helped and who will help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't. I, I, I am so grateful for those who have, over the last three or four years, supported the work that we're doing. It's so appreciated. But even more importantly, I want you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. Go within. And again, we both, uh, both Vicki and I, we've said it on, I've said it on many other programs. She said it mm -hmm. here. It isn't always going to be easy. Uh, sometimes it can be a little scary. There's a little fear because you're going to have to face the dark side. But believe it or not, that is part of who we all are. You're not alone in that, okay? It's nothing unique to you. And if you need help, call Vicki, call me. I don't <laughs> ask for help, okay? Go ahead and ask for help. It's okay. Don't be so proud. You know, this is not charity work. We're here to help each other. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. I'll say it again. If the good Lord had intended for all of us to live solitary lives, I know that there are 7.8 billion M-class planets in the universe that each one of us would be occupying one on our own. But guess what the reality is? All 7.8 billion of us are right here. Let's work together. Go ahead and ask for help. And if you can help be there to help yes so the first of my three questions who is vicky znavor uh, a woman uh, determined to live her best life what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now uh the ability to help others and to your book's subtitle what is your life's purpose? To help other people make the best lives for themselves as well. Vicki Zanevar, thank you again for joining us here on the thank program. You. I really do appreciate it. We look forward to having thank you, you back when book two comes out. Whatever, <laughs> whether it's about jackalopes or the unicorns or <laughs> old Nessie uh, <laughs> or something a little bit more profound than that. Uh, we look forward to having you back on to talk more about that because uh, to reiterate these things, uh, you know, repeating these kinds of things is so important. Uh, sometimes I think, oh, gosh, we just talked about that two weeks yeah. ago. So what? Sometimes it bears mm -hmm. repeating, and we thank you for helping us to do that. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.